Real educators, real students, real struggle. We bring you stories from schools and classrooms that reveal the true struggles faced in education. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Strug for Change podcast. This is a podcast where real educators talk about real challenges and real struggles that they're having. Now, you will notice that it is summertime. It is um, Friday, June 26th, and I am in the San Jose area. It is very warm today. So depending on where you are out there in the ether, I am wishing you well and hoping that you're having a good summer so far, even though many of us are definitely in a state of question regarding what the fall is going to look like and not able to take the usual much needed uh, summer vacations that we generally plan for and are involved in at this time of the school year. So I uh, am really excited for today's interview. I'm going to be talking with Jen Young. She is a teacher in the San Mateo area, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself in just a moment. But what struck me about Jen uh, initially was I was following a Twitter feed with a number of individuals that were talking about challenges that they were having in their current uh, lives and in their current workplaces as individuals that were coming to terms with being um, varying ethnicities in the workplace and what that meant or didn't mean based on where they were and how they chose to portray themselves, which is uh, those of you that are listening to this, even if we're in July, August, I'm going to guarantee you it's still a very hot topic on social media with the uh, newest iteration, not brand new, but just different day, same challenge with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and how it is um, playing out in education for teachers, administrators, uh, and families. So, uh, Jen, welcome, and thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Tracy. So I'm going to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about your work background. Okay. So, hi, everyone. My name's Jen. Um, I was born and raised in San Francisco, and actually, um, I teach fourth grade in Foster City. Um, it's actually the first time I've actually worked um, outside of San Francisco. Um, previously, I had taught sixth grade homeroom uh, middle school literature at a private school in San Francisco. So I've actually had this different experience of um, changing grade levels, changing districts, and uh, changing types of schools, which has been a very uh, interesting and challenging uh, transition. And you recently came back to public education or you transitioned to public education from private? I actually transitioned from private to public school. How many years overall have you been an educator? So I've been teaching for, uh, I just finished my seventh year of teaching. So previously and at the middle school level, I had taught five years in uh, middle school. And then uh, I just completed my second year at, um, in Foster City at a elementary public school. Okay, very good. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that framework of, of your background and, and where you've been. That always helps people have a kind of an understanding of your um, professional experience. 
I'm going to go ahead and jump into our next question. Uh, as I mentioned already, I discovered your um, passion on Twitter specifically. You had posted some tweets on the topic of mental health as a woman of color. And you were, um, I'll compliment you on being brave enough to put yourself out there, which is very risky, as you know, on social media folks. But uh, as a woman of color, then talking about mental health is like a loaded weapon, in my opinion, uh, as a white woman looking in. So thank you for um, being brave enough, first of all, to expose that element of yourself online on Twitter. Uh, what was your process deciding to share that bit of yourself on social media? So actually sharing um, has been a very delicate subject in terms of these last couple of years. Before, previously, I had always been open to sharing my anxiety and depression um, as I've been battling that since as long as I can remember. Um, but these last couple of years have been extremely challenging. Um, and I think it has to do with career, personal struggles, and also identity challenges. And so just kind of to unpack that um, is a turning point happened was um, March of last year. Um, I experienced tra a traumatic event where my mother-in-law took her last breath as she passed away peacefully. Um, but seeing that struggle and that heartbreak um, really kind of ingrained in my mind. And so I think I didn't realize how much that impacted me, but also doing um, social justice work and advocating for my students um, became exhausting emotional labor. And so also feeling the microaggressions, um, feeling comments. And then also since I switched schools and school districts, I started noticing patterns and um, with students and with certain different groups of students and also like feeling also isolated because I'm an educator of color. We, as a school and district, we're talking about participating in equity and it just didn't sit right with me and I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't share about it. I felt like my job would be in jeopardy. I kind of was told like, don't ruffle the feathers you know, just you're young. I had taught middle school before. So it almost seemed like my experience and my um, emotions or feelings or thoughts or, you know, what I could bring was kind of negated. Um, at times, I felt that maybe that could be towards me as being young and as being a woman of color. And so it wasn't until I started finding affinity groups so an affinity group in case is um, just a group with different educators. It was called Empowering Educators of Color. And I was asked to share a blog. And I didn't put forth my full identity um, because I, it was talking about my district and it was very vulnerable. But I shared how disconnected I felt from my district being a woman of color and just feeling but I felt so connected to my students because they were students of color and the treatment of them and just certain nuances and things like that. And so as more and more I'm finding like trying to navigate through the affinity groups, getting mental health support, 
finding, you know, my community that kind of gave me the confidence to be able to share. And also I shared more this year because I knew I would be permanent too. And then I felt like I couldn't be silent, especially in the things that, you know, we're facing in our community. And so I could make a great impact. And I wanted to show that to my students because I was trying to share with my students to like use their power of their voice. And I wasn't doing that because I felt like I didn't have a voice. And so I needed to like put myself out there more and hopefully feel connected. And for me, it was a freeing and liberating experience because I definitely felt um, oppressed in moments. Um, in variety of different capacities. I'm just going to let that marinate for a moment, folks, because that was a, a lot of information and um, very heartfelt. So definitely, again, I will compliment you on your bravery for being willing and able to put yourself out there. And you are not the first um, individual that I've interviewed who has mentioned point blank that you were asking certain things of your students that you weren't necessarily feeling like you had risen to the occasion of yourself. But when you did so, it sounds like it was really powerful. And you said that yourself when you said it was very freeing. And I definitely hear you when you um, mentioned the comment about, you know, now that I'm in a permanent role, uh, those of you that don't know how it goes for teachers and districts. They are probationary for generally, uh, what is it, Jen, two to three years, and then they get yeah. status. So yes. you're now in the second or third year in a district, and you don't have to worry about your status. Uh, it, it's comparable to being at will for those of you that are from private sector, uh, if you're out there and not a classroom teacher or an administrator listening to this show. So very nice um, explanation and very thorough. I appreciate that. You, you touched a little bit about uh, how the experience with mental health has impacted your work. Are you comfortable talking a little bit about how the experience with mental health as a, a woman of color has impacted you personally? Yes. Um, so like I said, it's been pretty manageable and I had always been dealing with this, but at moments where I'm compacted with a traumatic event, feeling isolated at work, and then also the challenges of seeing our world in, you know, kind of this, you know, I mean, Black Lives Matter movement has been for several years. So it wasn't just, you know, just this past summer. And so I had been doing this social justice work and, you know, uh, continuing that and doing that own work within yourself is extremely tiring. And then also trying to explain it to others to kind of relate or understand and to deal with anti-Blackness, to deal with, an, you know, anti-racist, um, anti-bias work. And so I compiled that with going through a traumatic event and it just was something that, you know, compounded and I didn't know how to deal. And so, and then also like I knew for me, being able to see a therapist has helped me in the past, but then I wanted to see a therapist of color and that was like impossible. And then also just getting treatment was nearly impossible. And then also like my doctor had mentioned to get meds 
or, you know, things like that. And I'm very, I'm apprehensive to that. And because I knew a therapist would help me because it has helped me in the past. So it started to affect me even more. And so then I started to notice more and more of my disintegration of my mental health as I had gone to vacation. Um, I had brought, wrote, written a poet, a poem. And so I was by myself in Japan in October and I wrote this poem and I finished this poem while on a train and crying. And I shared that poem on Facebook. And that was a moment like people knew, like it was a cry for help, you know, like I was struggling. I didn't know what to do. I felt all things around me were just caving in and I couldn't breathe or I just so many negative feelings. And I shared this poem and then I knew also for me, I had dealt with an eating disorder. And so, because that was a way I can control. And so, because I felt so out of control and my job is something that keeps me grounded, but for this past year, it was really difficult to come and act like everything was okay. When you're dealing with students, it's not like you can just ignore them or you can go hide in a corner or, you know, if you're not feeling well, just not coming in. It's a struggle. It's a challenge. And there were days where I just couldn't go to work and I had to call out. And and that was like a defining moment. And I had to share with my colleagues. And I even there was a moment, the darkest moment was when I had to step out of my classroom and go cry in the bathroom. I mean, I laugh about it now, but I mean, that's how painful it was and how much I had to try to think about, like, how could I get re-motivated and what can I do to myself to help myself? But luckily, I was able to have support with family and friends and my colleagues and my vice principal who helped me navigate through that challenge. Um, My students were always, like, they can feel that too. I mean, I never shared you know, I might've said like, I'm feeling sad or, you know, and they definitely have that. um, We had a really strong relationship and I'm grateful for them to, you know, be able to, to have them to like help support me in that way. But um, so it kind of all blended together where I couldn't be my full self. I, it was hard to just pretend like everything's okay. I mean, in school and teaching, you're, you know, you're kind of acting in a way because you want to make sure that you're presenting yourself in a certain way, being positive, but also you are going to have vulnerable moments, but it was definitely a struggle where I could see my, all aspects of my life declining. And I just had like a lack of motivation to do anything. And so how to like function was, was something that I was um, kind of struggling with and slowly overcame um, through amazing support with my husband, family, and friends, and uh, being able to navigate through that. Well, it sounds like you have in your current district job, you have a good foundation of professional support too, with some very caring um, peers and leaders. Mm -hmm. I do. And that was very helpful, like being able to share um, like the challenge because being able to admit that and like say like I 
I don't know if I can be be my best self and do this job. And I was going back and forth about whether or not to take some time off. Um, I didn't um, because I did get support and help that I needed. Um, but also I felt like a strong sense of guilt. Like I felt guilty for my students, um, you know, and you just feel like you, you know, you're failing at your job because it's, 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 it's so much more than a job. It, I mean, it's a passion of mine and I take pride in it. And so when you feel like you're not being able to do that, but then also having that guilt was also tremendous. So I think, you know, having that support with my colleague and an open relationship with my like administration um, was a safe space and I needed that. Yeah, and I would say that you're very fortunate to have that because I know many um, educators out there do not feel comfortable nor able to take that part of themselves into the workplace and be as forthcoming as it sounds like you were with those around you. Yes, and it was a very, um, it was a blessing to be able to to share that with them and not feel like it's my fault or I couldn't do my job or things like that, you know? Um, it was never that way. Well, you had mentioned as you were describing uh, how it had impacted your work, you talked a little bit about um, functioning every day. And, and I'm wondering what skills you use to function daily. And so now I've been very intentional of like taking a deep breath. I mean, I know like mindfulness is definitely something that, I need to take time for myself. I felt like I was giving so much to my job, my career, you know, everything else and just not taking time for myself. And so I do use essential oils. And so that has helped me tremendously. Um, as I, I take a frankincense under the tongue, I try to meditate in the morning, but that doesn't always uh, allow myself to give time, but I do do headspace at night. Um, and I put a diffuser and I drink tea to help soothe me. Um, I also might bullet journal like my accomplishments, successes, or gratitudes for the day and just, um, kind of like heal myself and, um, come into a sense of positivity rather than get entrenched with the negative things or feelings or emotions. So that has been a more uh, relaxed and um, can't think of the word, but uh, a healing process for me and liberating that I can come to a safe space and come to a safe like peace of mind um, on a regular basis. Yeah, it sounds like you've made intentional decisions to go more holistic in your um, routines, which I think is um, extremely powerful, right? Because I know at one point you you shared that uh, medication was recommended, and I, it sounds like based on the, the items you described that are now your daily routines, that those are all far more... Um, alternative in nature and, you know, don't involve chemicals in the body and are uh, outwardly managed. So I think that it sounds like you've got a really good toolkit to help you function every day. Yes. And 
Exactly. All right, so um, my next question is more uh, now as you're thinking about your own experience, um, pivoting a little bit to think about sharing um, with others any tips or ideas that you might have for um, others. So on that topic, how um, might other women of color apply what you have learned going through this journey regarding mental health? So from my experience, I felt like having safe spaces um, within different aspects um, to fulfill your, you know, identity, like I identify um, she, her, I'm, you know, heterosexual. Um, and so I think finding the, and I'm an educator. So I feel like finding those safe spaces where I can um, affinity groups within those safe spaces has been um, very powerful. I mean, Twitter has been amazing where I had um, participated in uh, an affinity space for a cohort I was in. I um, joined an empowering educators of color affinity group. I work with other educators um, in the field. I also um, have like different um a workout group and so I have kind of an affinity group with them so it's like finding your safe spaces and I feel like as women of color we you know we struggle to kind of navigate how we fit into this world sometimes or people might not recognize our brilliance and so you know having those shared spaces um and then also being reflective in our work and how we can be best in supporting ourselves um, and our students. Um, and then for me, it's about like finding your joys and passion. Like for me, it's, it's about creativity and being physically active. It what rejuvenates me. And sometimes I forget that or I have to navigate and be intentional about that. And so for me, that has been very powerful in trying to um, find holistic ways of trying to um, reflect and to um, find what makes, you know, what brings me joy and makes me happy. And so I think um, I would want to say, like, again, safe spaces and finding your passion and your joy and continue going back to that. Um, because sometimes life tends to steer us off of that. And if we can navigate back to that where we were meant to be, um, it can be very powerful and liberating. And I think we need to feel find moments where we can feel liberated. Great uh, strategies that hopefully um, our listeners will glean some, um, some nuggets from in their own journey if they are struggling with uh, mental health issues as uh, women of color. So um, back to you again. I'm going to ask you what is your thinking about how to prepare yourself for the future? Like where, where do you go from here? So for, for me, moving forward, I hope to continue this holistic approach of um, how to reflect and to navigate. Um, I hope to continue to see a therapist. I, I know for me, seeing a therapist has been liberating because it's a safe space, like I've mentioned, without judgment, without fear. And so, and finding those safe spaces within my community um, I'm hoping to continue to build confidence in this work um, and know that I can make meaningful connections with 
you know, other colleagues, adults, and my students, and also continuing to grow in terms of having critical conversations with my colleagues so that I can speak up for myself and for my students who might be overlooked or oppressed and um, dealing with the microaggressions. And hopefully I can find some co-conspirators and allies to help me to help amplify my voice or to kind of, um, you know, allow them to, to share, like when they see those microaggressions that they speak up, not just tell me it's happening when I already know and feel that, but also acknowledge like this is wrong and being able to use their privilege and share that and speak up about that. And so I'm hoping to, to kind of um, use that in education and hopefully make um, changes and movements moving forward and just equipping myself with the knowledge and resources and the research of being able to navigate and, and um, share my story, I guess you could say, and, and um, hopefully empower others to kind of know that they're not alone and that, you know, they can have people that are um, a positive ally on their uh, on this journey that we're trying to all navigate in ourselves and um, with our students and in our career. Well, and that um, just absolutely outstanding answer to that question. I'm particularly intrigued with. Um, the concept of finding your allies, because there's definitely a, a lot of educators out there who I think are still, you know, they're in doors, uh, closed classrooms and doing their best just to get through the day, but feel very isolated. So I'm, I'm hopeful, too, that um, in your effort to find allies and your um, willingness to come on the Struggle for Change podcast and share your story that there'll be some nuggets that others will glean that uh, they will find a connection with you. And then before you know it, you'll have an army and your army across, you know, different districts uh, throughout California and beyond can begin to make some very meaningful change. You know, we have a, a great opportunity as an industry right now, and we, we keep hearing it over and over again from within our industry and um, beyond to begin to really make some transformation. And then when Black Lives Matter uh, reared its head again with unfortunately another round of police brutality was not a new day, this is a new um, issue that those uh, gelled very nicely for educators to say, okay, now, now we need to talk about all of this. And, and we're now, um, we're gonna open the curtain and we're gonna actually see Oz for um, who they are and we're going to begin having some very real conversations and uh, create some frameworks to begin moving forward from our various chairs, from our own experiences. So that, that is my goal, uh, is very much in alignment with yours uh, through this interview. I'm hopeful that you'll have some new allies. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are coming towards the, the end of our time together, Jen. I did want to give you an opportunity if there is anything that you wanted to add to this conversation that we didn't already talk about for our listeners? 
So I just wanted to first and foremost, I'm grateful for this space to share my experiences and want to know that the work we do as educators is sometimes overlooked and underappreciated. Yet we need to find the value within ourselves to be the best versions of ourselves, um, but also like for our students as well. We're not, um, you know, that's the first and foremost. And just as a person of color, I, I recognize sometimes it's a tremendous pressure um, uh, to continue um, because I know I was deeply impacted um, by having my first uh, teacher of color and who inspired me to become a teacher because for the first time I saw myself in something um, in someone as like the first Asian role model who wasn't my parents or my family um, was my first grade teacher. And I didn't know how much that impacted me as an ad- until I was an adult. And so to my educators of color, you know, um, be strong, just, you know, share that safe space and know that, um, you know, you know, your brilliance is recognized and for um, the allies, you know, you know, use your privilege to speak up, check in with educators of color, because there's so many times where um, they're overlooked, there's microaggressions. And if you see that, like speak up about that or like racism or, you know, bias work, continue that work and speak up on that, because that's something that we need to have and be able to, not just for the adults in our lives, but for especially for our students. And we cannot change what we don't recognize and identify and speak up about. And so we have to continue these conversations. And I, again, am grateful for this space to share my personal experience. And if that relates to any of you or you need a safe space, you know, I can like hopefully extend that to be a safe space and listen. Um, so I just wanted to, to put that out there. Um, and again, you know, think about how you can uh, love yourself and be liberated as that's something that's truly important um, doing this work, especially. So you. you you allude a little bit that uh, people will hopefully uh, hear some messaging and want to connect. How do we find you? Where are you out on the planet of social media? So you can find me um, on Twitter, Instagram. So it's at MSYOUNG428. Um, and also you can also email me at Gmail as well. And I'm happy to provide a safe space or also just collaborate and work together on this work as we are trying to, um, you know, reform and change and make an impact in education in whatever capacity that that may be. Well, and I will, um, I will forewarn you that you may end up with several people wanting to read that fabulous poem that you referred to that you wrote when on vacation in Japan. Um, I will be the first to share that I've read it, and it is extremely powerful. So uh, uh, don't be surprised if after <laughs> this podcast uh, is out there in the ether, if you don't have a few people that uh, are requesting to have you share your work. So hopefully that'll be something uh, that you'll be open to doing. Yes. 
our time has now come to an end. I um, want to express gratitude to you from the Struggle for Change podcast group. My name is Tracy Bondi, and I appreciate your time today. Appreciate everything you shared. And I just want to tell you all to uh, take care of there.